Our Old Testament reading comes from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4 and 10 and 11. Hear these words. The Spirit of Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined ones, cities, the devastation of many generations. I will eagerly, eagerly rejoice in the Lord. My whole body being shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with the garland and a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. May God bless the reading, hearing, and understanding of Scripture. In our gospel lesson coming from Matthew 28, verses 1 through 20. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised. As he said, Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While they were going, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests everything that had happened. After the priests had assembled with the elders, they devised a plan to give a large sum of money to the soldiers, telling them, you must say, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story is told among the Jews to this day. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we have been using the month of June um, to use Pixar movies to kind of think about our story of faith. But I want to start today with um, talking about the clip from Cars and why I chose it. So if you aren't familiar with Cars, let me give you a little backstory to that clip. So Lightning McQueen, the red race car, comes through Radiator Springs one night and kind of destroys the town and the road. Radiator Springs is a town that has a long history. At one time, it was a thriving stop among the famous Route 66, but eventually it got bypassed as a new highway was built, leaving the town to lose some of its tourist traffic and having to say goodbye to one season of life as it moved into a new one. The town begins to fall into disrepair. Then there's this hotshot race car that comes through, destroys a lot of stuff, and thinks he is too cool for this little old-school town. He doesn't see any value in Radiator Springs. And what's worse is that the people of the town, well, they have kind of gotten complacent. They've given up a little. They've lost sight of what makes their hometown great. So in the clip we watched, Lightning McQueen is in court being held accountable for his actions, and we meet Sally, the lawyer. She makes the case to get Lightning McQueen to fix what he has broken. Why? Because, she says, and this is why I chose the clip, ours is a town worth fixing. You see, while everyone else had kind of become a little ho-hum about life in Radiator Springs, Sally sees something different. She loves her town. Sally sees the beauty in her town. Sally sees what it is that her town and the people of her town have to offer. And throughout the movie, Sally shares the story of Radiator Springs, and she works to make it what she knows it can be. This is no ordinary town, she says. This is Radiator Springs, and this is a town worth fixing. This clip, the complacency, the kind of ho-hum attitude of the people of the town, the young, hotshot race car that only sees a run-down town, well, this clip kind of made me think of how we approach our story of faith sometimes. We get complacent. We get a little ho-hum about it. I even see this as how we approach it with our young people like, oh, you know, here's a Bible. You should read it sometime. There's some good stories. You can pick up some little tidbits of wisdom. Yeah, there's some things that don't make sense. We don't know if it's all true or what. But yeah, you should read it sometime when you have a chance. Or how we even try and sell worship in our families. Yes, we are going to church this morning because we're supposed to. That's inspiring right there. This past Pentecost, 
one of my friends shared a tweet that in a roundabout way kind of talked about this. He said he was tired of seeing Christians argue about things or get upset about this or that. And then he tweeted, you ever read the Pentecost story and realize just how boring much of current Christian discourse is? Christ's defeat of death led to the inbreaking of God's spirit into the world. Meanwhile, Theobros, that was my favorite part of it, Theobros are complaining about, insert any number of current discussions. He goes on to say, it's just so mind-numbingly boring. The gospel is this overwhelming narrative. God's overwhelming grace is burning the world down and ushering in a new creation where the lion and the lamb are at peace and the hungry eat their fill. But that was apparently too much for us, he says. So we just resorted to arguing about which bathrooms people can use and where women can stand and talk during worship. And he lists a whole lot of other things. He continues on and he says at the end, he talks about our life-rending, world-changing, liberating gospel. This, my friends, is no ordinary story. The account we have of Jesus' first sermon, well, it's found in the Gospel of Luke. And in chapter 4 of Luke, Jesus goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stands up to read. He reads from the prophet Isaiah. It's the passage that Philip shared earlier. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he says, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. How? How do we hear that and just sit? unmoved. Maybe we're not, don't always catch it. Maybe we're not always listening. Maybe we've become numb to it. Maybe we don't believe it. I don't know. But hear it again. Good news to the poor, release to those held captive, recovery of sight to the blind, the oppressed will go free. These are life-rending, world-changing, liberating words. How have we become ho-hum about this. This is no ordinary story. And you know why I know this is no ordinary story? Because I'm sure, like you, in my life, this story has held me and met me over and over again. Ours is a story that meets us in times of tragedy, where sometimes all we can say is, God, we just need you to show up. And God does. And somehow, we get through. And we've all seen or read those unbelievable stories where individuals in the face of violence and tragic loss, well, they're able to forgive, to let it go, to not meet violence with violence, to move on in life, in love and grace. Or those stories 
of individuals or families or entire communities that go through more in one year than I can ever imagine in my life, and yet they don't become bitter or hate-filled or give up. No, they trust and believe that in all things, God will provide. And I fully believe that one reason I love diving into the stories of those that worked for the abolition of slavery or within the civil rights movement or within the women's right to vote is that so many were given the courage and strength to speak and act because in their story of faith, in their God, they saw themselves rightly as fully human loved and claimed by a God who is love. And that story told them that they deserved more, that the world, in fact, did need to be changed. They believed in a story that could change the world, and they did. And it has, and it can, and it does. And finally, I have just known way too many people who have personally experienced the transforming power of God in their life to not believe that there's something about our story, that this is no ordinary story. There's something real, something powerful, something life-rending, world-changing, liberating about what we believe This past Tuesday, I was holding the scripture and the sermon kind of in my head as I was driving around. I had my phone on shuffle, and the song Beautiful Things played, and I know I have probably overshared this song, but it always speaks. It's got that wonderful chorus, you make beautiful things out of the dust, out of us. And that perfect way that it begins, all this pain, I wonder if I'll ever find my way. I wonder if my life could really change. All this earth, could all that is lost ever be found? Could a garden come out from the ground? To that, we say we believe in a God who makes beautiful things out of the dust out of us, a God who makes beautiful things out of the brokenness and inequity that leads to poverty, out of the hurts and addictions and systems that hold us captive, out of the things that keep us from seeing the world and one another rightly, out of the oppressive institutions that keep us from being the community God created us to be. God makes beautiful things come alive at the very places of death and hurt and pain and fear. This is no ordinary story. The Gospel of Matthew, as we heard, well, it ends with the account of Jesus' resurrection. It's a story that begins in the dark before the light of a new day has risen. Two women begin their day carrying deep grief and pain, fear, disbelief, but they get up. They put one foot in front of the other and they set out to do the task called for during such a time as this. One verse in, 
the story begins to change dramatically. Suddenly, it says, an earthquake, an angel descending in a flash like lightning, brightness like the whiteness of snow being hit by the sun, and the stone holding in death rolls away. The guards at the tomb are so scared they just faint, lying still on the ground. Do not be afraid, the women hear. Life is in this place. Joy has come in the morning. Go, tell, for this is no ordinary story. The last four verses of the Gospel of Matthew, well, it has Jesus raised to new life, commissioning his disciples to continue the work of kingdom building. God's kingdom is here, now. So go, therefore, Jesus says, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into this life-rending, world-changing, liberating gospel story. Teach about what you have come to know in and through my life, my work, my resurrection, And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go, because this, my friends, is no ordinary story. Let us pray. Oh God, who makes beautiful things out of the dust, out of us. You have done great things for us, and we rejoice. So often you have filled us with laughter, even turning tears of sadness into shouts of joy. You send prophets who point the way to justice and show the way to you. We thank you for sending good news to us, and repairing so much that we have devastated. God of presence, we come to you this morning in prayer, lifting up people oppressed by poverty and discrimination, by political upheaval or dangerous rulers, people imprisoned wrongly and also those imprisoned justly. Write what is wrong among us and in us and restore us to you, to others, to ourselves. Make the broken-hearted whole again. Comfort those who mourn. Repair our ruined cities. As we enter into a new week, do not let us lose sight of you or those whom you especially came to serve, people who are in need of healing, people who are overlooked or undeserved, the ones who are lost, and the ones that we have made to feel little and least. God of love, we come into this space carrying our own hurts, our own fears, carrying on our hearts, those that we hold in love. So now in this space, either silently or aloud, we lift to you those that we hold in love and prayer this day. Linda Self and her mother, 
Oh God, who hears our prayers, help us to more fully enter this life-rending, world-changing, liberating gospel story. Help us to remember that this is no ordinary story. Help us to remember Jesus, to follow Jesus, to lean into the gift that is Jesus. All this we lift in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. We get to move into a time where we will lift liturgy, celebrating Philip's time here, um, but also blessing him as he moves um, onto a new season in life. Um, he is entering into retirement, but as those of us, um, those who are retired ministers out there, as those of us know, in the world of ministry, retirement never really exists, especially in the United Methodist Church. There's always a parish in need. Um, so Philip was contacted by the West Jackson District to ask if he would aid in being a supply pastor at Levelwood United Methodist Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, so he will move into that. Um, you can ask him questions about that timeline because I don't have all that. Um, but we wish you well in that um, and pray over you and with you as you step into um, ministry in a different way. I guess you waited to retirement to experience itineracy. <laughs> Once. <laughs> Um, but I'm going to invite you to the mic, and you can lead us in this liturgy of farewell. You'll find it in your bulletin, and your responses are in the bowl. I do want to say that you have seen the youth, and they're speaking in their work. You've seen the kids. You've seen babies born and baptized. You are in good hands. So join me in this liturgy of retirement farewell. But I thank you, members and friends of Parkway Hills United Methodist Church for the love and support you have shown me while I have ministered among you. I am grateful for the ways that my leadership has been accepted. I ask forgiveness for the mistakes I have made. As I leave, I carry with me all that I have learned. I accept your gratitude and forgiveness. I forgive you, trusting that our time together and our parting are pleasing to God. I release you from turning to me and depending on me, and I encourage your continuing ministry here, and we pray for you and for your next steps. Eternal God, steadfast love for us, to everlasting. We give you thanks for cherished memories and commend one another into your care. As we move in new directions, keep us one in your love forever. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 77 in your hymn book, How Great Thou Art. And after the benediction and welcome grow, 
serve and celebrate, we have, I have a little surprise gift for you, so sit, uh, stand tight. So let us stand.
So do they need to sit back down? I'm confused. No, no, no. You're good. Okay. All right. Uh, we use this to sit down. It's a surprise to her. Um, <laughs> okay. Real quick, you may have seen on your seats, um, I wanted you to be aware of a resolution that was passed at the Mississippi Annual Conference this year. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard to brag about what happens at Annual Conference, but uh, this one was an exciting thing, and the granddaughter of Ruth Wood is a member of our church, Kitty Johnson, so I wanted to make sure everyone knew about this. Ruth Wood was the first woman who was um, ordained into full connection in the Methodist Church. She passed away very recently, but they passed a resolution in honor of her um, and just in honor of uh, the fight for women in ministry in general. And um, I hope you take time to read through this whole resolution, take it home with you. But I do want to lift up the end um, that says, therefore, be it resolved that all of the churches of the Mississippi Annual Conference are actively committed to the full inclusion of women in all aspects of ministry, including licensed and ordained pastoral leadership. And be it resolved that the first Sunday of each June, beginning in 2022, be designated a celebration of the call Sunday in memory of Reverend Ruth Wood. Um, so I wanted to share that, especially since we have a member of that family in this church. So take that home and read over it. Um, and please remember, we have a basket in the back for your offerings, your gifts, your tithes that allows us to do all the things that we do to be church together and to invite others and to share this story that is indeed no ordinary story. And my last thing Please don't forget to come back tonight at 5.30 to continue to celebrate and discuss and remember our staff. Um, so I do need you one more time to stack chairs, but only the middle two. So only stack the middle two. And there's a few people who are hanging around after, I have been told, that are going to help us pull out tables. So stack the middle ones and we'll rearrange the chairs. Now... I invite you to join with me in our benediction. You'll find it in your bulletin, and it comes from the words of the prophet Isaiah. Let us say these words together. Holy God, as you anointed Jesus with your spirit to comfort mourners, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim release to prisoners, and bring good news to the oppressed, so anoint us as Christ's living body, to go and do likewise. Amen.